0: Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
2: Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Baseball today, Thursday, May 7th. Frank here, joined by Pocket Aces, Adam Azer, and Scotty Dubs, Scott White. You now, before the show started, I found out something about Adam that I never knew. Huge fan of jock jams. Crazy. Please.
1: Oh, I don't know why you pegged me. He's like, I bet you really like jock jams. That's like, nah, 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 nah. hey, for, for like hours. You were you came in and singing like Pump it. the Jam. I did pump up the jam, yeah, but no, I don't like. I don't like that. But I've learned something about you that I never learned, Frank. What's that? You're a huge Metallica fan. How'd you not know that? Maybe I knew that, but you're wearing a Metallica <laughs> shirt today. It means you must be a big fan.
2: I am. This is from their Death Magnetic tour. About I don't know eight nine
1: years ago. What kind of kid your age? It's a big Meta- it's like a huge Metallica fan.
2: I love Metallica. I've seen them probably 7 or 8 times live. I actually left Mother's Day once to go see them in Metlife.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> True story. they were playing that's a concert great. at Mother's Day. On hey, Mother's were. Day is what you're saying. Yeah. Scotty that's that's Dubbs is here. Scott, are you a yeah. big
2: fan of Jock Jams? Um <laughs>
0: Well, I had those I had those CDs that ESPN released when I was like, I don't know, 12 or something. Let's so- go. So they, I had I them. I don't know if that makes me a big fan, but they were in my possession. Adam, yesterday you
2: sent out a tweet asking people to uh, give me new nicknames. So I thought we've, we'd kind of sprinkle those out throughout the course of the show. Uh, did you find anything good? Any top candidates? Well,
1: you have a new segment to create. Ian Harris says when Frank has a hot take, he should say stamp of approval. But like, you know, stampful of approval or something, I think could be just an episode or a column stampful of approval I don't know if you want to put the n on or not the l at the end or not but that's a segment okay so, so i'm not
2: sh- i'm not sure about the logistics because this is something i did at my previous job too oh, oh. oh man so they might have got it from that and Easy i don't want there to be any, any yeah. beef, yeah. any
1: crossover i don't know i, don't I mean know. i feel like you kind of own that it's, it's your name but I, i'll let you make that decision yes i have some <laughs> nicknames i have many of them I'll give you just two from CBS people. One from Chris, and one from Joe Polito, who's on our social team. Chris calls you the usurper. Love and it. Joe Polito, this is not really a nickname, so I'll give you, I'll give a bonus one. But this he says, "Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn." With a damn being my name, A D A M. Uh, it was pretty clever. Joe so if we ever that. share a fantasy team together. Yes. That's that's what's happening. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn with your name at the beginning, mine at the end. How about this is one this one has gotten the most votes, I think. Tramp stamp.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny about you bring that up? My dad has like a tramp stamp? He does. (laughs) And he has like (laughs) thirty tattoos. And I have none. Everyone always asks me, How come you have no tattoos? Your dad has thirty tattoos. I'm like, I don't know. I just Never got around to it. So
1: your dad got you into Metallica?
0: Not really. I'm, no. a, I'm like a way bigger Metallica fan than he is. I don't oh. think anyone on this podcast, Chris included, has a tattoo. Does Heath? Well, Heath isn't on the podcast anymore, but not that I know of.
1: Al doesn't. Wow. What
0: if Al had like a sleeve? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Today on the podcast, we're going to deep dive Lance Lynn, and we will finally... Get to your questions. That is a promise because today's episode is mostly a mailbag. Before all that, I did want to mention that the MLB is slowly moving along here. They're expected to send an actual proposal to the Players Association within the next week or so. And at least one team, the Cleveland Indians, have reportedly told their players to prepare for a potential July 1st opening day. So I don't want to get anyone too excited, but this is just what's in the news and it sounds like we're moving closer to a start date for the MLB season. Obviously with the KBO going on right now. They kind of use that as a test to see what's working, what's not, uh, and hopefully brings us closer to baseball because guys, I don't know about you, but I need some baseball.
1: I do. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> Adam's <laughs> well, a little busy. I, I uh I I'm I kind of thought the story that came out yesterday was a bit of a non-story. It didn't change the timeline. I think we were all kind of thinking if baseball started, it would be early July. That date had already been floated out there. Um, But, you know, it's good to see that they're taking it seriously and they're going to at least put some plans into place. I am concerned from a personal level. I've been thinking about this a lot. That baseball is going to start and then football is going to start and I'm barely going to be on this show during baseball season, which is going to make me sad. Like I'd love to have a normal season where I've got four to five months of baseball coverage before I like see ya. But I'm just a little upset. Like I don't know when the season's going to start. And it might just be so – there might be so few games before football really gets going, at least, you know, draft season. So, Oh,
0: man. That sucks. Adam,
1: personal Adam. yeah.
2: yeah. A- Adam's
1: yeah. preemptively
2: setting us up for his departure. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I feel
0: like I feel like ever since Frank came in, it's just been it's just been let's be anxious about what Adam's doing today. Yeah. Where yeah. is he? Why is he not here? Well, and I'm always in my house. To continue is what you're saying.
1: I've never I never leave the house. That You can be rest assured <laughs> of that.
2: I've heard that's a thing. Adam doesn't leave the house. Uh, and now yeah. he has yeah a great oh. excuse not to yes. leave the house. So exactly. it works out quite well. Uh, I did have another speech debacle. Look, just if you notice this, and if you ever notice anything that I do, just point it out. You guys, we've been working together about a month now. I would say that's enough time. You guys can throw me under the bus. You can call me out. Uh, yesterday, William Bryce tweeted at us and said that I don't say innings. I say ennings. Is it a <laughs> New York thing? I don't know. Like I say ennings with an e. I,
0: I, I don't know if we're picking too much. I didn't, I didn't notice that either. But... Uh but now now our attention has been drawn to it. I don't even know how to say it correctly because I'm trying to say innings with an I,
2: innings, but I guess I do say innings with an E. Just sounds natural to me. So we're about to talk about Lance Lynn. We're going to talk about innings, innings. So you guys call me out if you hear anything. Lance Lynn coming off a career year at age 32. Finished SP-16 in Roto last year, SP-19 in fantasy points per game in points leagues. He finished the season with a 3.67 ERA and a 1.22 whip, posting career highs in K per nine, 10.6, walks per nine, 2.55, and swinging strike rate 12.5% for Lance Lynn. His first five starts, a 6.51 ERA, under 8 Ks per nine. His swinging strike rate in those first five starts, 7.8%. His last 28 starts, pretty big sample size, 3.24 ERA, 11 Ks per nine, two and a half walks per nine with a 13% swinging strike rate. So uh, first five starts got off to a little bit of a rocky start um, and then was great the rest of the season for Lance Lynn and and really kind of caught people by surprise in what was Globe Life Park regarded as a hitter's park. Now we're expecting it to be a little bit more neutral in Globe Life field. What changed last season for Lance Lynn? Massive gains in control. Uh, also started using a slider slash cutter about five percent more than ever before. He threw that 16 percent of the time. We know that Lance Lynn is very fastball heavy. The velocity was up a tick for the fastball, 94.2 miles per hour, also the highest of his career. Some negatives. He did allow a lot of hard contact, 39 uh, percent. Some really bad splits, 3.59 ERA at home, which was surprising. Uh, an ERA over six on the road, and he allowed an 8.41 OPS to left-handed batters. Scott.
0: Right. His ERA of what on the road? Six point oh one. Really, for the whole do, season?
2: Do I have that correct? Now, now I'm doubting
0: myself. That I, how do you get a three sixty seven ERA with an ERA of six on the road? It seems. Um, let's see. Let's just. I just want to double check. I, I don't doubt your work. No, come on, Frank. It was three fifty at home, three eighty four on the road.
2: Oh, you know, I was looking at the other Lance Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's why we have scott here to keep me in place that's what i'm talking about scott keep me in place yeah fact check yeah. my work um so, so i want right. to
0: i, I, I want to underscore a couple of the things you said here uh, right you kind of did the season breakdown of how lance lynn's season broke down and, and of course heading into the season nobody had any expectations for lance lynn whatsoever in his best years with the cardinals he was kind of a number three type in fantasy And then he had fallen on hard times since then, had some arm problems. Uh, So last year, the point last year where people were actually invested in him in fantasy, from that point on, which obviously wouldn't have been the April when he struggled, he was an ace with a capital A. I mean, he was a stud for your fantasy team. He was at times probably pitching like the best pitcher you have. And he ended up finishing fifth in AL Cy Young voting. So uh, you may look at the overall numbers and see, okay, the ERA is above three five, the WHIPs above one two, and think it was it was just another so so year for Lance Lynn. But I think that break the way the season broke down is important because the the experience of owning Lance Lynn was different than those overall numbers would lead lead you to believe. Um, the other thing I want to draw more attention to is is how his pitch selection changed. Because for basically his entire career, he's he's really an odd pitcher, Lance Lynn, in that he, he has three fastballs, and that's basically it. He has the four-seamer, the two-seamer, and the cutter that you mentioned. They all move a little differently, but they're basically three fastballs. And he's man- managed to put together a solid career as a starter with that. He actually cut it down basically to two last year, just the four-seamer and the cutter got rid of the sinker, and if you look at his batting average against on the sinker, it's it wasn't great throughout his entire career. And that's not really a swing and miss pitch. It's more of a pitch to contact, put the ball in play, um, which might explain why his strikeout numbers had been underwhelming before last year. I think I think that explains a lot of it right there. Is He just got rid of the weakest pitch of the three, the one that didn't generate whiffs, and then the whiff rate went up on the other two because of the way he was playing them off each other. I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't know if it'll become too predictable from one season to the next. I don't know if it was just a total fluke to begin with. But there there are so few pitchers that are capable of coming anywhere close to what Lance Lynn did once he did turn things around last year that uh, there comes a point where... You, There comes a place in the rankings where I just don't feel like you can drop him below just because you you have to give yourself a chance of uh, of securing a big arm with what little is still available in the draft. And that's about where I have him, right around 35th. I think I have him maybe like 33rd, 32nd, something like that. That's as far as I can justify dropping him, knowing what the upside is and knowing how... uh, how, how risky everything that comes behind him is going to be. So,
2: Scott, you mentioned your, your ranking of Lance Lynn. I have it as you have him SP-28 in both formats. Okay, even higher than I thought. Okay, Yeah, and I have him SP-34 in points. I have him SP-37 in roto. And that goes back to what we said yesterday when we, were, we had our head-to-head point strategy discussion. Lance Lynn is someone who, and I, maybe this is just a fault of mine because last year he was actually better in roto. But he strikes me as someone who's better for points as an accumulator, go deep into games. Maybe not as good as somebody like your um, Arias or Lazardo on a per inning per start basis, but you know, as someone who is going to give you a lot of innings, which helps in a head-to-head points league. Um, Scott, Adam, rather Adam, pocket aces. Would you consider Lance Lynn one of your pocket aces?
1: <laughs> nice. No. <laughs> I am not really in on Lance Lynn, although nobody is really all that in on Lance Lynn based on his ADP. He goes after just after Eduardo Rodriguez and Denelson Lemet, one spot ahead of Carlos Carrasco. I imagine Carrasco will go ahead of him. You know, I'm not. People aren't really drafting now, but the last time we were drafting, Carrasco was dealing with an injury. Maybe that had something to do with it. Like I would definitely take Carrasco over Lance Lynn. Uh, then it's like Max Fried and and uh James Pat we'll see James Paxton would go ahead of him then it's you know Julio Arias. what I'm saying is there are no certainties after Lance Lynn so we don't live yeah. in an era where people take one season and overreact anymore unfortunately i can't just be like everybody's stupid you know <laughs> lance lynn's being drafted appropriately so i guess if i'm taking him in the 11th round that's not so bad it's worth pointing out that you might say, well, last year was the outlier. No, not in terms of ERA it wasn't. He's only had one year in his career with an ERA over four, and that was 2018. So if he throws 200 innings and has like a 380 ERA, and he strikes out 190 batters, it's probably going to be useful. Whip, though, is the category that I want to focus on, guys, because he had been a really lousy whip pitcher. one32 1.31, 1.26, 1.37, and a good pitcher throwing a lot of innings. Uh, you know, decent ERA, decent more, a lot of wins, but a horrible WHIP. 1.23 in 2017, 1.53 in 2018, and then 1.22 last year, but like 1.12 or something like that after those first six starts or first seven starts. 1.13. So can he really be? a 1.13, 1.15 kind of whip guy, or is he going to be more like the 1.22 that he finished the year with? Because if he's 1.22, if his whip is over 1.2, which it almost always is, then I do think you're, you're going to be looking at a high 3 ZRA. Uh, then I think, you know, the 317 ERA he had in his last 26 starts just not going to happen. But maybe, Scott, maybe throwing that sinker less, the gains in control that Frank mentioned, yeah, he, whip he is capable of a lot of him.
0: hits, which which I think was the main influence on the the whip. Though I mean, the BB the, the walk rate <laughs> <laughs> was the best it's ever been last year too. So he kind of improved in both areas. Yeah, can he uh, he's maintain not, he, he, those
2: not, gains in control, Scott? I mean, that's like my biggest question mark. Two point five walks per nine, by far the best of his career.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, no. Hey, I look, I, to interrupt Scott, I'm sorry. I just, to wrap up my thoughts on Lynn, and I'll, I'll let you okay. go nuts. I think that we're going to, you know, at the end of the 2021 season, we're going to say, hey, what lessons did we learn? And we might say something like, well, you shouldn't put too much stock into someone who had a breakout year in his, in his early 30s, uh, you know, at age 32, even if it seemed like it was explainable. Because Lance Lynn is, is going to be worse than he was last year. The end.
0: Last year on the whole, or last year the three seventeen ERA? Because the three seventeen ERA that you're not confident is going to happen. I don't last think he's year, being. I don't think he's being drafted for that.
1: On the whole, three sixty seven ERA, one two two WHIP, two hundred and forty six strikeouts yeah. in two hundred eight and a third. I think he will be worse than that. And to be more specific, he was thirteenth in points, sixteenth in Roto. I think he'll be worse than that. Much was, like like significantly worse.
0: He was seventh in innings and seventh in strikeouts. So I don't know. Look, if he if he just if he has a bad ERA and WHIP like over four two five over one three, then yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be like Trevor Bauer last year. But I I don't think he necessarily needs to have a low ERA and a low WHIP if he's pitching deep into games as often as he is, and that's not really an oddity for his career. And if he's striking out batters at a similar rate that he did last year if he's top 10 in both of those categories again then he doesn't need a sparkling era and whip to justify his his draft position
1: no but he won't have as many innings if he doesn't have as good of an era and whip you know he won't be pitching as well
0: maybe but but like i said he it wasn't an odd the 208 and a third innings it was technically a career high but it, it was the third time he was over 200 innings and that's in a career where a full season was lost to injury and obviously the first season back from that he wasn't going to pitch a ton of, ton of innings. So, I I I think he's an innings eater. I think he's well established as an innings eater. That's probably the most bankable thing for Lance Lynn. Uh it it's just a question of whether like I know what I know what Chris would say if he was here, but the it the April was so bad for Lance Lynn, it skewed the numbers so much, <laughs> and it, he was obviously a different pitcher than he's ever been for the rest of the season. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it's totally fair to evaluate him on the full season line, uh, or if we need to consider that maybe he really is as good as he showed after he turned things around, after he found that gear that he had never found before. I think that's at least the upside. I think it's safe to say that's the ceiling for Lance Lynn. And if that's the ceiling at the po- point in the draft where he's going, I mean, has the potential to be a great value. I find I end up with Lance Lynn as like my number four starter very often. Sometimes I've gotten him as my number five starter and that's great. I think there's, there's really no risk to taking him if if he's your fifth starter. Agreed. Um, but, but yes, there, there is risk here. There's risk as you said, for every pitcher that goes after him in ADP and a couple that you said you'd take over him, I, I wouldn't necessarily Carlos Carrasco. I think the risk factors are even more glaring for him. James Paxton. I think the risk factors are even more glaring for him. I think the upside similar for all three. Uh, but to me, the, the, just looking at the track record for Lance Lynn isn't as concerning as the constant health issues for James Paxton. And, um, the totally unprecedented health issue for Carlos Carrasco.
2: All right, there's your deep dive on, Lance Lynn. We've got a ton of your questions to answer on the mailbag, and we'll do that right after this. True green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Anything? David,
1: Nolan, Trevor, and Sam. I
0: can't get my mind past the Picard, to be honest. It's got to be, (laughs)
1: well, Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. David Dahl. David Dahl. Sam Hilliard.
2: Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. You're good, Adam.
1: Thank you. Thank you, During last Monday's podcast. Okay, after this, more nicknames.
2: We've got more nicknames coming your way. During last Monday's podcast, you discussed the negative impact of a season in Arizona what that may have on Rockies hitters. On the flip side, I feel like this could be a sneaky advantage for the Rockies. The Coors Field hangover is well documented. Perhaps this is the perfect balance for these hitters to have elevation consistently throughout the season without having to assimilate routinely.
1: Mm. Acclimate. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't think so. What say you? I disagree. There's no advantage like Coors Field. There's no place like home if you're a Rockies hitter. And not only that, think about the pitchers that have to go to Coors Field and the adjustments that they have to make. They pitch in an environment that is like pitching in outer space. It's just completely different. Their breaking balls don't break. So they're going to have the consistency of throwing in Arizona. It'll be an easier adjustment for them to face the Rockies than it would be in a typical season. If, But again, the latest reports is that we might be playing and a good chance we're playing. Well, a decent chance we're <laughs> playing in, in home stadiums. But I think Coors Field is definitely the best-case scenario for Rockies hitters.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know that I'd go definitely. I, I'm not entirely sure. That's the judgment call I'm making right now, is that Rockies hitters lose from going to Arizona. But if there's an environment that's second to, you know, up in the Rocky Mountains, it's in the in the— <laughs> Dry air environment of Arizona, and those parks are made bigger, like Coors Field is, for a reason, and that would have the same kind of BABIP inflating uh, effect. Um, and that it, it'd be everywhere they played instead of just their home games, and there wouldn't be the hangover effect. So it's, I think it's possible we're we're under, we're we're overrating the impact it would have on Rockies hitters, but. It, I, you know, it's it's just we won't know until we see it and we may never see it.
2: Yeah, there's no way of knowing for sure. Adam, you mentioned you have some more nicknames. What do you got? All right. What do you got for
1: let's uh the let's stamp. See what we <laughs> Tramp stamp so far. We've got Mr. Consonance. Right. We've got Detlift Stample, which I think is great, <laughs> but better written. <laughs> uh this one might be the best. Uh, shrimp Stample. Shrimp Stample? Yeah, like Shrimp scampy. Shrimp Scampy, shrimp Stample. I love that eh, one. No, okay, okay, not the it's, best. It's fine. Lady in the Stample. Not bad. Frankie Podcasts. <laughs> Frankie
2: Podcasts.
0: <laughs> that might be the best one yet. Yeah, you know what? It's it's simple,
1: but simple. It, it works. Um, well, I, I
0: mean, you gotta consider what is the intention of a nickname. This is something that's kind of I've always wondered about because you know some of the most famous nicknames like. I don't know, big unit for Randy Johnson, right? Like, was anybody actually going around calling him that, or was it just a name that you know got printed somewhere? Like,
1: right? The unit. Hey, hey, enduring... Can I grab you for a few minutes? Like, yeah, I don't think. Right. Nobody was
0: calling him that, I assume. And isn't isn't that what the the real purpose of a nickname is?
1: Well, we want to call him that? Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine you guys calling me Frankie Podcast.
0: Well, I, I was actually thinking that that sounds like something we'd say more often than, I don't know, Tramp Lady stamp? in the Stamp. Or <laughs>
2: yeah. Or Shrimp Stample. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> Del- or the
0: Del- the stamp-ful. Usurper. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the Usurper, how's it going today?
1: Board Game Bravo suggested Frank, the CBS Fantasy Baseball podcast host, as a nickname. Keep it simple? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, right, I don't well- think that's going to work. Well, we'll give it a rest for now. All right, we have more. We have more we'll later. come
2: back to the nicknames a little bit later on. Uh, this one's from Ryan Gillis. Greetings from Nova Scotia. Ooh. Wanted to say thanks all uh, for all you guys on the pod and the awesome FB page. It's been a rough couple months for us in Nova Scotia and everyone in general. But listening to you guys have uh, been a nice reprieve. So thanks so much. Anyways, I had a question about switch hitters. I remember a conversation you guys had about this. Maybe it was back in January or February when I was a mere listener. Um, But I'm in a 15-team Roto, and for me, playing time is huge. And with matchups being such a big part of the game now, is being a switch hitter an advantage? If so, why is it never mentioned as a factor? And if not, why not?
1: It's a lost art, isn't it? There's just not many switch hitters left. You got two great ones on the Indians, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. Oh, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I know I'm obviously missing some, but Ozzie Albies, Josh Bell, not a lot these days, not a lot of great switch uh, hitters. I think
0: what you see from most switch hitters uh, is that they become much better on one side than the other, and over time, it, it tends to be the side they're hitting from most often, left-handed. Like, I, I kind of think it's an overrated skill, and I, we may eventually see the point where it goes away altogether because it's just like being able to repeat being able to practice something getting more practiced at something is is what's going to make you best at it and switch hitting obviously uh works against that it's like i don't even i don't even really understand how they're able to do it the ones who are but they they end up becoming for the most part, there are exceptions, but they end up becoming uh, much better on one side than the other. So it's like it ends up playing like somebody who bats from one side of the plate anyway. I mean, how right. often have oh, we want to turn the switch hitter around and have him bat righty instead of lefty, so we're going to bring the left-handed reliever in. I yeah. mean, what kind of advantage is that then if they're managing against it just like they would a left-handed hitter, you know? so It, it, it
2: effectively it, does the same thing.
0: Yeah. It it's just seems kind of pointless to me.
2: And even, some like, Josh Bell's a good example of someone who uh, struggled against left-handed pitching as a right-handed batter. It's just, imagine, you know, you try to learn how to write with both hands. Like, eventually, you're going to just lean on one of them. You're going to, you know, gravitate towards whatever feels more comfortable, comfortable for you. Uh, and even someone like Ozzie Albies, like, he hasn't performed well against, I believe it's right-handed pitching, which is the weirdest part, because you would expect, you know, that's... You, you face more right-handed pitching and right. you would expect that his, him batting from the left side of the plate would would be more comfortable for him it'll, that's it'll be interesting to
0: watch mark mark my words right now remember this moment on the podcast as Ozzy albee's career plays out over time i think he will 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 come to see him as being better from the left side and from the right side his production is going to diminish so it'll it'll flip as his career plays out just because that's what he's seeing most often. That's what he's adjusting for.
2: Yeah, I've thought that, Scott. But, I mean, even if you go back to his minor league numbers, it's just the 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 difference in the splits is just so drastic. Last year, he had, he had an OPS nearly 1,100 against left-handed pitching, and it was 7.78 against righties. And, it, again, it's, that's thumb. going back to his minor league days. So we still he's have some 23, time. 23.
0: He's got a long way
1: right. to go.
2: But I, he's, been in this, he's been in baseball two full seasons already. So I'm mm-hmm. – I like Albies a lot. Look, I have met ranked as my number one second baseman, and I'm still finding things to nitpick on him, but it <laughs> is something that I found very, very weird when it comes to Ozzy Albies.
1: I will say that the bigger conversation about handedness and hitting is lefties, because they, you know, most of the best hitters in fantasy are righties, and there are a lot more right-handed hitters than, than left-handed hitters. But you do get those years where left-handed hitters struggle against lefties. And that scares me just a little bit. It's already happened to Rafael Devers. It's already happened to Cody Bellinger. Are we convinced that they have completely slayed that dragon? It wouldn't shock me if they had a bad year against lefties, especially older lefties. Like, I think Adrian Gonzalez, when he started to just go, he couldn't hit lefties anymore. Joey Votto can't hit lefties anymore. Pretty sure Matt Carpenter can't hit lefties anymore. So, um, you know... That's, that's something where I think like in a dynasty league, you're probably better off banking on a young right-handed hitter or maybe a mid-20s. If this guy's really young, then it's probably not a huge deal. But a right-handed hitter, I think, will age better than a left-handed hitter, personally. This next one's from Hugh in St. Louis.
2: Hey, guys. I was offered to trade in a 10-team head-to-head points league. I would get Tommy Pham and give up the aforementioned Lance Lynn. What do you think? I am sort of against the trade. My outfield is Juan Soto, Ramon Laureano, Eddie Ro- Rosario, and I have Lourdes Griel on my bench. I feel my outfield is not as good as most in the league, but I have a lot of SP in Scott's top 29. He has eight to be exact with Tyler Glass now wow. uh, and ending with Carlos Carrasco. Last year, Tommy Pham averaged 3.2 fantasy points per game, which ranked as the outfield twenty-five in points leagues
0: your outfield may be kind of weak for a 10-team league but i don't think tommy fam has the the sort of impact potential that's going to obviously improve it we're we're going to do a 10-team head-to-head points mock draft later this afternoon so we'll get some some more first-hand experience of how it's like but it's there's such a high threshold for impact that that needs to be met by hitters and especially outfielders since only 3 are being started and fam just seems like so middle of the road for a league this shallow that i'd rather hold on i I'd, I'd rather continue to hoard that scarcer commodity because you know attrition's going to hit it and it may hit it harder than you're expecting and if it does you'll be prepared if it doesn't then everybody's going to come looking to you later to trade for that pitching surplus, and you could probably get a true impact bat and not have to settle for Tommy Pham.
2: Yeah, I think the main point is that Pham is not much better than someone like Ramon Laureano or Eddie Rosario. He, he might be slightly better, but I, I don't think it's worth you know making a move in order to get him in that outfield. I, I don't think it improves that much, if at all. So there you go. Uh, Quick reminder that UFC 249 is this Saturday, which means you should be listening to the State of Combat podcast with Brian Campbell. BC is back with some of the biggest names in the UFC on his bonus MMA interview pod. Anthony Pettis, Cowboy Donald Cerrone, and heavyweight champ Stipe Miocic can all be heard on this latest State of Combat. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. This next question comes from Brendan. I wanted to cover a couple topics, including how ridiculous I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could be in Arizona. However, I believe he would be playing in the Grapefruit League. Correct, Scott?
0: He would be playing in the Grapefruit League, yes. But, it, you know, one scenario that has been put out there is all teams playing in the Cactus League venues. So that's, I don't think that's off the table. Uh, there seems to be the most momentum right now for teams playing in their actual home venues, but yeah, there's a lot to work out still. So we just don't know.
2: Yeah. He says, I heard Scott mention Roger center being a hitter friendly park, uh, but I thought the dimensions were larger than average there. It is regarded as a hitter park uh, in Roger center. I also love the Kevin Biggio power prediction because of how shallow left center is uh, in the blue Jays spring facility as well, which is something we talked about. But again, that helps, you know, Left-handed power, uh, which obviously would be Kevin Biggio. He also mentions, Frank, I play in a 10-team head-to-head points league with my friends from home as well. And we also agreed to outlaw Sparps and RPASPs, which are relief pitchers (laughs) as starting pitchers, to preserve the integrity and balance of the player pool. So kudos to you and continue to urge listeners to do the same head-to-head points for life. And right before we started the podcast, we also got a tweet from Nicholas Nelling who said that he also outlawed Sparps in his head-to-head points league. Let's go. Anti-Sparp movement. Take that, Adam Azer.
1: You know what? <laughs> That's your problem.
2: 2020, <laughs> the year of the Sparp. It
1: is. I mean. So it's th- 2021.
0: I play. I play in a 10-team head-to-head league, and it's it's outlawed too. I think the shallower the league is, the easier it is to justify outlawing it. But when you start. You play in like a really deep league, 16 teams, 20 teams. There just aren't enough closers to go around, so having those sparps in there really helps.
1: Yeah, because unlike in uh, categories leagues or roto leagues, if you have an RP spot in a points league, it needs to be a closer. Or, no, it needs to be a closer or a starter. You cannot have a middle reliever. You cannot have a Seth Lugo. You need wins, you need, yeah, wins, you need saves, you need innings. Yeah. One of those three things.
2: The last point from Brendan was that if uh well if Chris Wheeler should we gonna...
1: address the Blue Jay stuff? Well what do you think, Adam? I don't have anything to say. I just didn't <laughs> <laughs> I thought he <laughs> I mean, was just commenting on what we
0: already said. What kind of
1: power do you think Kevin Biggio has?
0: Oh yeah. Um I think it's the kind of power that should lead to a good home run total, but should also hurt his batting average because he sells out so much for fly balls that i i just don't have much hope for him ever hitting for a good batting average you know he might be one of those guys who's permanently permanently peaking in like the 250 260 range
2: he's kind of like reese hoskins at second base no scott
0: yeah yeah kind of like that yeah that's uh, i think that that's actually something i thought of too yeah
2: yeah hits a lot of fly balls doesn't make a ton of hard contact uh but i think the main point was that if we did play in the spring training facilities the right center field fence is a little bit Uh, Shorter than what is normal in Rogers Center. So that's something that would affect uh, Kevin Biggio positively. Someone that can, you know, maybe approach 25 home runs uh, and double digit steals as well. But will hurt your batting average. This next one's from Nevin. And I actually have to play something to, uh, to answer his question. Let's just say it starts with mount up.
1: Uh. Adam, you're a little early. (laughs) <laughs> a little anxious, <laughs> hasn't heard it in a while Sorry, must have been all the tramp stamp talk
2: Oh, oh uh, sorry, now I'm late uh, <laughs> uh. Our commish, we'll call him Grandpa Smoothskin Is trying to start our draft next week Before knowing how this season is going to run How are we supposed to draft relief pitchers Without even knowing how many innings the games are going to be? How many what
1: the games are going to
0: be? Innings Oh, I see. Oh, (laughs) You did say eggs. You did say with an E. Yeah,
2: wow. (laughs) Call me out, boys. How am I supposed to value Glaber without knowing if he'll play half his games with the short porch and right field? Shouldn't we wait until we know some of these basic parameters before
1: blindly starting our draft? Of course. Of course. Who's drafting right now? How frustrating is it? When you put an email in and there's a typo in there, yeah, I have to to read these. Yeah, you have to read them before, and I I rarely do. Like I'll skim them, be like, oh, this looks like a good question, but then you have to read them word for word, and it's like, oh, he put "blinding" instead of "blindly." Uh, yep, yeah, it trips you up. Of course, the regulators are here to tell you, Grandpa Smooth Skin, to freaking chill out. You've got two months before the season starts. Chill out. Maybe more. Draft now.
0: What is Grandpa's smooth skin? I believe that is from Baby Got Back, right? Is it? I wouldn't know.
2: (laughs) I'll check it out. Sounds like one of those oldie things that you guys know about. Uh, I I barely do.
0: (laughs) Find anything on Grandpa's smooth skin, Adam? Just give me a minute, okay? (laughs) I I think Adam answered that question well enough. (laughs) We can move on to the next.
1: Yeah, he says Rumpo Smooth Skin. So I thought maybe that was, like, <laughs> a reference to that. It's like, ooh, rumble smooth skin. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Oh, damn. I'm doing a football draft. I should have taken Patrick Mahomes there. Oh, that's what you're doing. Took Adam Thielen instead.
2: <laughs> this next one's from Alexander Chaco. FFF, fantasy from the front. Even working in the hospital, there is a need for fantasy. Shout out to Alexander and all of our frontline workers out there. We will answer. Your questions. Yes, sir. Uh, Kyle Tucker, top prospect with an odd swing, power-speed combo with great minor league baseball, 2017-2018, uh, less so in 2019 numbers. The K rate was up. The batting average was down. Uh, his, does his stock go up with more playing time in a compressed season? Desire to give him a shot was heating up with overall better spring than lame duck incumbent Josh Reddick who also is in the last year of an expensive $13 million contract, or is Tucker overrated? Is he below the Joe Adels, the Luis Roberts, the Gavin Luxus? Uh, Is his ADP too high at 160? What says you, Scott?
0: This is a busy question. Um, I'm not even sure what he means by is he below the Adels, Roberts, Luxus. I, I assume in terms of upside, right? Because Roberts being drafted ahead of Kyle Tucker
2: so this is a keeper league. I'll, I'll throw that okay. in there. He he says he has him as a possible uh, 22nd round keeper in a standard 16-team roto. Oh, gosh. So 22nd round awesome. is, yeah. I mean, that's fantastic value. Uh, his yeah. other choices are Marcus Semien, who you also like, Scott, in round 14, Michael Conforto in round 16,
0: and Yoan Moncada in round 8. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, based on the last two minor league seasons he had, I don't have any reason to say to believe this guy isn't going to be a great major leaguer. Now he may not be because that's the way it goes with any prospect coming up. Uh, In the short term, I wonder about his playing time because they still have Josh Reddick there and for some reason want to play him some. But I think think Tucker's going to force his way into an everyday role this year. Just speaking generally in terms of the shortened season, uh, whenever the start of the season is announced and you know the format of the season is announced there's going to be there's going to be a lot of ideas bouncing around about okay how much does this pl- change this player's value and th- that player's value but for the most part it it's it's going to be marginal stuff it's it's not going to drastically overhaul everybody's rankings unless like the the only thing that would change that is if half or all the league is playing in those spring sites in Arizona. That's really the only thing I'm thinking about when it comes to uh you know turning my rankings upside down. Everything else you're talking about a tweak here, a tweak there. There's going to be a lot more talk around about it just because it's something interesting to talk about, but I I worry that all that talk is going to overrate the impact of it.
2: Kyle Tucker last year in AAA hit 266 with a 909 OPS, 34 home runs with 30 steals. I, I You know, I've never heard anyone make this comp, but I'm going to make it now. I could see Kyle Tucker turning out to be Hunter Pence in his prime. Maybe a little bit more speed, but Hunter Pence had, in 2010, 25 home runs, 18 steals while hitting 282. You know, I think if Kyle Tucker became that, 25 home runs, 20 steals, 280. 275 to 280 batting average, I think that's a fair projection for someone like Kyle Tucker. Um, Adam, in terms of the keeper value here, if you just had to choose between Kyle Tucker around 22, uh, this is a 16-team Roto League, Marcus Semien around 14, Conforto around 16, and Yohan Moncada around eight,
1: who would you go with? Be either Moncada or Tucker. I mean, it's that classic example of like a little bit more provenness, but a much worse value. I would probably, and if you want to just play it safe, you go with uh, Conforto. Simeon is the one I'm definitely not doing, which maybe Scott would disagree with. But at least, you know, like Conforto in the 16th round of a 16 team league, that's a really good pick. I actually might do that. It's kind of a low upside pick, but He's he's sixteenth round a sixteen team league for Michael Conforto. That's a that's a really good pick. If you want to be riskier, you go with Tucker. And just to kind of go on what Scott was saying, what would change in the rankings? I I think there's one more thing though that a guy like Kyle Tucker would benefit from. Anyone you think is good but doesn't have playing time, I think that's going to change this year. Gavin Lux would be another example. They're going to need bodies. They're going to cram more games into a shorter time period. The rosters are going to be bigger. But they're gonna these guys. I, I feel like Kyle Tucker is going to have more of a chance to prove himself if he's not just given an outright job, you know, which he could be, maybe should be over Reddick. They're going to need to play him. They cannot just bury him on the bench or use him a few times a week. So he's going to have the opportunity to show how good he is. And I think the season would benefit those guys that you're worried about their playing time because everybody's going to have to play. If
2: I were just choosing one of these keepers, I, I think I would take Kyle Tucker. I have a decent amount of faith in him round 22. And if you could keep him for years after that too, he's just so young. Um, I, I would lean with Kyle Tucker there. It, Scott, did you give an answer definitive, you know, who you like most out of those? Pro, um, yeah. It's a We
0: can only take one of these. I'd probably take Simeon. Sorry. <laughs> so Sorry, you everyone. I think di- I'd take Simeon.
2: Uh, three, three different podcasters, three different answers. So yeah, <laughs> it, it
0: does make a difference whether we're talking about, he holds this keeper value forever or just for this year. Right. If it's forever, then maybe I do lean Tucker. Uh, and if it's forever, my second choice probably becomes Moncada, actually. But,
2: this next one's from Matthew Jacobson. Dear Frank Abagnale Jr., Billy Costigan, Jordan Belfort, and Rick Dalton.
1: Hmm. I only know one of them. I know Frank Abagnale Jr. Abagnale. butchered that. <laughs> I messed that one up big yeah, time. A,
0: are they like con artists or something? Because that's what he is.
1: Yeah, great movie, Frank. Catch me if you can. One of the best. I've
2: got to watch it. I still haven't watched it. These <laughs> are... No mo- no wonder why I messed it up. These are Leonardo DiCaprio characters. Oh, okay. There you go. I feel like one of them is from Shutter Island. I think you're right.
1: Mm, <laughs> Am I? I don't know which
2: one it is. I just know that there's... <laughs> I, I, I don't have differentiation. Uh, you often speak of players you will take later in the draft that will provide similar production as players who go two rounds earlier. Who are some players you will reach about 20 picks relative to their ADP for in drafts, specifically in points
0: leagues. Scott? Reach for about 20 picks? Uh, hmm. It's less about the specific player than how how likely I am to find... It it's more of a tiers argument i guess is the easiest way to say it how how likely i am to find something similar how how quickly a a tier of something whether it's position or just in terms of what specifically they provide uh output wise how how much of that is left that that has more of a say in how likely i am to reach for somebody and i'm more likely to reach in the later rounds like for darling sleeper picks like Mark Canna. I'm sure I've taken it. I've probably taken him as much as 40 picks before his ADP because his ADP is so low and because I think there's only one of him. (laughs) You know, there's not. Okay, if I miss out on Mark Canna, there's this guy who I think is very similar. No, I mean, the reason I like him so much is because I think he's going to drastically outperform his draft position. So that's that's it. And I'm sure and because of the scarcity of high end starting pitchers, the scarcity of stolen bases, I've probably had reaches of 20 picks or more for one version of that or the other, just depending on the way the draft is playing out. But it's not, in those cases, it's less for a specific player than the scarcity of that thing.
1: Kyle Tucker for me, because of the steals and everything, but you know, it just, Kyle Tucker for sure is a guy that I'd be willing to reach for. And I always forget about him because he's DH only, but Chris Davis would be another one.
2: Yeah. I was going to say both of the util only guys like Nelson Cruz too. I mean, you can't just skip out on Nelson Cruz say, Oh, well I'll get, you know, the other Nelson Cruz, I guess Chris Davis is kind of the closest comparison because he's utility only, but you know, Nelson Cruz is someone that gives you the production of somebody two or three rounds earlier than where he goes. His ADP right now is at 81. And I think sometimes we, we do see him, you know, sneak inside the fifth round, early sixth round, which would be about 20 picks earlier. So uh Yeah, I think Nelson Cruz is one. Chris Davis with a K is another one that I was going to bring up. They're util only, but uh, I don't mind reaching on those guys a little bit earlier earlier than they should go.
0: Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Shutter yeah, Island is, is Teddy Daniels. I so know, not, I know. Not one of those four.
1: Shove it, Scott.
0: <laughs> I was just, we couldn't leave it hanging like
1: You're that. right, you're right, you're right. Stupid this
2: next guy. one's from Daniel Bard, Baird, with all the boredom from working from home. Uh, it made me look for at baseball players from yesteryear. One player that really caught my attention would have been a modern-day first-round pick slash fantasy stud in OBP leagues. I feel like he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. This is probably something that Chris would have got a kick out of. But what are your thoughts on Bobby Bonds? Apparently, his uh, he has the 35th most valuable hitter season since 1947. Um, he hit 283 with 39 home runs, 131 runs scored, 96 RBI, and 43 steals. That happened. Pulling that up right now for you. And I'm failing epically. But it did happen. That was one of Bobby Bonds' season, of course, father of Barry Bonds. That happened in 1973. Bobby Bonds.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bobby Bonds was a great player. feel like Chris is kind of our resident baseball historian and would probably have more to say about it than that but i'm I'm looking at his year by year war here i mean he had geez he had one two three four wait, one two three four five six seven years of five war or greater i mean he's what was his hall of fame voting like because it it, it looks like one of those careers kind of like dale murphy where the peak was certainly there for a hall of fame consideration but he just didn't quite sustain it long enough um yeah he he kind of
2: flamed out early he was out of the league by the time he was 35 and and fell off after he was 33 but 332 home runs and 461 steals in his career career.
0: i i think we don't talk about how good he was just because he was so obviously overshadowed by his son and i had the same i had the same realization with ken griffey ken griffey senior the other day now his career wasn't as good as bonds but it was 34 and a half war for his career a uh, few seasons of right around four war, hit two ninety-six with a three fifty-nine on base percentage for his career. I mean, he was a very good player, but you know, we only think about him in terms of he was the dad of King Griffey Jr., so kind of the same thing.
2: Barry Bonds joined the Giants in nineteen ninety-three. Was that something that was forced because his father played for the Giants? Is that something that was that they tried to make happen purposely because of that? I don't know. It was I, just something I wondered because uh I was two years old at the time, so I have no idea. Nineteen ninety
0: three. Uh, my first year really following baseball, like watching every game the Braves played was nineteen ninety four. So any references prior to that I am a little shaky on. But that's uh so he was with the Giants in what capacity, Bobby Bonds?
2: Uh Bobby Bonds played a large majority of his career. His first two, four
0: Oh, you're saying why did Barry Bonds choose to sign with the Giants in 1990? Yeah, yeah. Was it because his
2: dad played for the Giants?
0: I don't know. I know. So the story goes, famously, the Braves had a lot of money to spend that offseason and were deciding between Barry Bonds and Greg Maddox, and what they decided on was Greg Maddox. That's how the story goes among Braves fans. I don't know if that's exactly how it played out, like I said I wasn't following baseball on the level to
1: to really know if that's how whoa, whoa, it played out. But that's who do how do you the think? Story goes. Who do you think they should have gone with?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> at the time, like Greg Maddox won three Cy Youngs right after signing, so it was like, oh, we obviously made the right choice. Yeah, but, I'm not sure you, know, you did
1: <laughs> i I guess there's been, like you're talking, you are talking about one of the greatest pitchers of all time versus I know one of the greatest hitters. It's, I don't know that's. I think cut.
0: technically. Barry Bonds had the better career than Greg Maddox, right? But they're both what top, certainly top fifty. players. The Braves top, are they're both probably top twenty five players of all time, right?
1: The Braves are such a uh, you know uh, uh, like such a morally solid organization. They never would have let Barry yeah. Bonds get away with what he got away with. Sure, yeah,
0: Brian McCann would have slapped it out of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> We've got
2: time for a few more of your questions here on FBT, and we'll do that right after this quick break.
1: Visit com today.
2: All right, this one comes from Nick Shiner. Dear Snow. I don't know how to say this name.
1: Char- Chargois. Chargois. Riddle and Real Muto. J-T's. Those are JT. Like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Frank doesn't know who that is.
2: <laughs> of course I do. Good old JT Thomas. You do? Oh, it Ben
1: Schrager who didn't know who that was, my bad.
2: I'm in a 12-team head-to-head points custom scoring league where we have keeper contracts. As a result, we have big benches. This year, we are implementing a game started limit. With this limit in place, is it a good idea to stock up on bench hitters instead of pitchers so we can stream hitters? Usually, the top scoring teams had plenty of bench pitchers and mixed them in throughout the week, but with there being a start limit, this Probably won't work unless you're going to go really hard on playing matchups. I've never streamed hitters before, but is this feasible? Scott. Uh
0: why don't you ask Adam first? Why? Adam. <laughs> 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 I was thinking about what we were just talking about. Yeah, well this. I'm Sorry. trying to make
1: a I'm trying to make a football pick here. Uh, All right, we're twelve team points league. We are implementing a game start limit. Is it a good idea to stock up on bench hitters? instead of pitchers so we can stream hitters. It sounds like this is a head-to-head points daily daily, lineup league. Right. So ordinarily, I would say no. If you have a start limit, though, I guess it really depends on the limit. But yeah, actually, I I wouldn't say no. Because in a categories league, I would say you want to stock up on pitchers, um, get some saves, get some good relievers in there, and have a shorter hitting bench. But in a points league... Yeah, actually, you do want to get more hitters on your bench because, my goodness, I mean, you just you get points. It's that simple. You you don't have to worry about, like, a, I guess a hitter could go over four or two strikeouts and you lose one point. But you don't have to worry about him hurting your batting average or your OVP or something like that. Uh, so, yes, in a points league, in a daily head-to-head points league with a game start limit for pitchers, that's exactly when you should be streaming pitchers or hitters.
2: Yeah, we still don't know how the schedule is going to play out yet, like what travel days are going to look like if they're are travel days cuz they might just be playing in, you know, one uh geographic location, but I would pick up hit- hitters that are playing on those travel days where it's lighter days where you can pick up some points on normally it's Mondays and Thursdays and I would also whoever your catcher is maybe have the second catcher in that tandem platoon situation so that you can play that catcher oh, whenever the starter is being See that that to me benched.
1: I'd rather I wouldn't do it with a catcher. Like, they suck. <laughs> hey, man, every point counts, Adam. I guess, but it depends how many roster spots you have. Yes, if you have enough roster spots, fine, but I'd rather...
0: Yeah.
2: Obviously... If it's only three or four, like, yeah, of course, you're not going to yeah, you know use one of those on, on Kyle Higashioka.
0: There. Yeah, lacking in specifics <laughs> in terms Higashi. of how big... What the starting pitcher, what the game start limit is. Like, if the game start limit is seven in a week, that's still, I mean, you're still going to want to have a lot of pitchers on your bench. That's only room for two double starters a week. and yeah, I mean I don't know. It it just depends on what the specifics are here. If you're if you're talking a big bench like fifteen players, then obviously some of them are gonna be hitters. But if it's you know, eight players, then not as many.
2: This next one's from Kyle Svensson. Hey guys. I've heard you guys talk about Dylan Carlson on the show a few times. He has just become a free agent in my league, twelve team head to head categories. Should I add him and drop one from the following list? John birdie, Sam Hilliard, will Myers, Mackenzie Gore, Andrew McCutcheon, Scott Kingery. Would you drop any of those players for Dylan Carlson, Scott?
0: I would drop either Gore because it's going to be a while before we see him, I think, or McCutcheon because he has the lowest impact potential of this group. Uh, I would probably lean I would probably lean toward dropping. Gore, but, you know, McCutcheon I'd be fine with too if you just can't bring yourself to let go of that upside play.
2: Adam, what do you think? Birdie, Hilliard, Will Myers, Gore, McCutcheon, Kingery?
1: Drop one for Carlson? If they're not going to play in Coors Field, I'd drop Hilliard. Um, Otherwise, probably McCutcheon. Well, okay. yeah, probably McCutcheon. If it's OBP that's one thing. If it's batting average then definitely McCutcheon. This next
2: one is from Jet. Dear Rick Annibal, Max, Drew and Justin.
0: Well, I'm assuming Annibal is Annibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer. These Max are, are Scherzer.
2: Tigers. These are Tigers, right? Who's who's the Drew though? Max Scherzer. Oh. Rick Porcello, Annibal Sanchez, Justin Verlander
0: drew who was in who was in the tigers that tigers rotation that was named drew
1: drew smiley that sounds was right he? okay i
0: was thinking something like drew verhagen i don't know
2: why that's <laughs> like a random <laughs> That's because name in my that's mind. because
1: justin verlander and a drew you went i because frank i thought the same thing <laughs> hey guys
2: i was wondering your thoughts about michael fulmer you know I don't know how fun of a fact this is, but I love Michael Fulmer. Fulmer was—I was all stamp in on of this guy. approval. Stamp of approval. I loved Michael Fulmer. Uh, he's making his way back. He had—I don't. Was it Tommy? I think it was like some kind of crazy, like like shoulder surgery. It was some I massive think he just thing. Had Tommy John. Was it Tommy John?
0: I think so. I'll double check while you're. Ready.
2: But he, he had some other things wrong with him too. Just like that. I don't know. The whole arm—it's probably—it's basically a mechanical arm at this point. Um. <laughs> Can Michael Fulmer make any impact? I don't know if it'll, it'll be this season or any more in general.
1: It's well, so hard. Like he's His strikeout rate is so bad. Career 7.0 strikeout rate. How are you a good pitcher this day and age if you can't strike people out? It's just, it's tough to bank on those types of players.
2: It was so weird, too, because he threw mid-90s. Yeah. He had a pretty good slider, too.
0: Yeah, he was. I, I think he was having trouble developing a third pitch, and you know he took such a big step back every year after beating out famously beating out Gary Sanchez for rookie of the year in 2016 uh, with a 306 ERA in 26 starts and then it went 306 to 383 from 383 to 469 and i'm always wondering if a guy goes really wrong right before he has Tommy John surgery uh, how much slack he deserves for that because it, it just seems to be a common occurrence that, oh, this guy is pitching like he's not right. And, oh, look, the MRI shows he's not right. And it just takes a while to figure it out. Um, So I still have hope for Michael Fulmer. He's 27 years old. I, I don't have hope for him developing into like an ace because I think that's just too big of a leap to take. But can he be a like Marcus Stroman level starter again? I think so.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. And reading his latest update from CBS Sports, uh, Fulmer is throwing regularly off the mound and previously previously said that he's 100% pain-free, but the Tigers aren't inclined to rush him coming back off major arm operation, which makes sense. I mean, the Tigers aren't really expected to compete this year anyway, so they want to be cautious with Fulmer. Uh, instead, Fulmer will likely just gradually increase the intensity and frequency of his bullpen sessions at the Tigers' spring training facility, Uh, Could perhaps return at some point in June, which, okay, if the season starts in July, then maybe we have Michael Fulmer at that point. So there you go. Don't forget about Michael Fulmer. Adam, any last nicknames you want to throw out there? Of course.
1: One moment, please. All right. uh, How about postage? Okay. Stamps.com. Stamps.com is a sponsor back in the day.
0: Oh, okay. I hear them sponsor a lot of podcasts. I hadn't sh- I wasn't sure if they'd gotten around to ours yet.
1: We actually use stamps.com here at the, the Azer House. Free advertising. Frankie Novals. And Stampsonite. I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> that one's great. I Tramp Stamp, I think, is the one I'd go with. Frank, the CBS <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> Baseball Podcast host would be <laughs> would be like tenth. Frankie Podcast maybe would be second, but I think I'm going tramp stamp. Scott, where are you going with this one?
0: I I I do like tramp stamp. I just wonder (laughs) if it's going to uh, to if it's problematic. I guess is the word the kid the word the kids use problematic. It's going to cause us grief. I don't think so. It did
1: it did get them. the more I, I didn't get more responses of any other nickname than tramps like a lot of people came up with tramps <laughs> all right it's There's happening. a lot of
0: problematic people in the world, Adam Azer.
1: I agree, especially on Twitter. <laughs> it's happening tramp stamp no you has got to put an F at the it's tramp stamp tramp stamp yeah you're, it's not a nickname, it's just stamp. Your name isn't Stample. <laughs> I mean
2: stamp is you know part of my name it's it's there it's It's in the last name. These so many consonants, so many consonants for Adam. Pocket aces for Scott. Scotty dubs. I am the tramp stamp. We will talk to you again tomorrow. We'll have some rankings debates on tomorrow's edition, Friday edition of fantasy baseball today. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye.